Buenos dias. Welcome to Eco Village Library. I am your host, Christopher Kinney. And uh, well, this episode is going to be a bit different. It's going to be a new style. It's going to be more information heavy, more educational. So the way you approach this, I recommend that you listen to it a couple times or listen to it with a notebook, take notes. It's meant for you to really learn all there is to know within this given topic that I'll be discussing. And for today's episode, I will be particularly talking about making charcoal and developing a small community enterprise. You will learn all there is to know about small-scale charcoal production as an enterprise for any small community or eco-village or a group of communities or eco-villages. I recommend this episode for anybody who is considering all the enterprising options for a new community project, or you're just particularly interested in charcoal production on a small, appropriate technology scale. Again, this episode format is information intensive, so I recommend that you have a notebook on hand or listen to it several times for the information to really sink in. It's like in Buddhism, they say, one speaks of three different levels of understanding, which are sequential. First is an understanding arrived at through learning and studying then an understanding developed as a result of deep reflection and contemplation. That's level two. And then finally on level three is an understanding acquired through meditative experience. So with that being said, you'll learn in this episode what makes good charcoal, how to build the simplest infrastructure to create it, the process of actually producing it, and then ideas on how to create an enterprise from this. So basically this episode will be geared on putting down the foundations in this level one of understanding, then it's up to you to listen to this a couple times, do your own independent research as part of level number two, as you allow it to sink in some more and reflect upon it some more. And then finally, level three of actually experiencing it and marrying the two of, of head knowledge and what you've studied and learned into real life applications or meditative experience. So let's first begin with the uses of charcoal. Making charcoal has been documented as a way of life for humans for at least 6,000 years that we know of. Historical methods of making this charcoal required pretty low capital inputs and basically is still the same today, which therefore makes it very appropriate for a village enterprise of which its ultimate use can be a million different things. It has been utilized by blacksmiths for forging iron and also commonly used as a heating source for cooking. And these uses still apply today and applies directly to water treatment, manure treatment, odor treatment, basically being like a sponge to all toxins and pollutants and odors you could think of. And you can make charcoal from any wood product. The versatility is miraculous. So you can see it in, used in supplements, water filters, toothpaste, deodorant, cosmetics, air fresheners, and may also be broken down into small dusty pieces to be used in the vegetable gardens, compost heaps to increase yields. So now what's the difference between charcoal and activated charcoal? 
Well, they're still basically the same thing with the only difference being the activation. So what do I mean by this? Well, here's the deal. When you make regular charcoal, it still holds a lot of wood smoke absorbed strongly into its pores, and so it's not as eager to absorb as many other toxins and extra stuff as activated charcoal does. And so now when you activate the charcoal, you essentially sweep away this extra smoke, and this also opens the pores of the charcoal to increase its surface area, which helps in its absorption properties. But let me pull myself out of this rabbit hole before it's too late because the physics of it can get very, very particular. But in this episode, we'll just get the ball rolling on starting this whole thing from scratch. And later down the road, we can explore more into making activated charcoal and also biochar, which is specifically used as for agriculture. So the charcoal depends on the end use you would like to use it for. But here, we'll just start the conversation rolling and talk about generalized charcoal for now. So now getting into the methods of small-scale charcoal making, you can see that charcoal is produced when wood is burned or heated in a restricted air supply, usually done within a kiln. So again, charcoal is produced when wood is burned or heated in a restricted air supply, usually done within a kiln. So as to be clear on exactly how to imagine a kiln, here's the formal textbook definition. A kiln is a thermally insulated chamber, a type of oven that produces temperatures sufficient to complete some process, such as hardening, drying, or chemical changes. Kilns have been used for millennia to turn objects made from clay into pottery, tiles, and bricks, or in this case, charcoal. The simplest way of producing charcoal for the purposes of our discussion around village technology is in the earth or in pit kilns. An example of an earth kiln application could be digging into the side of a hill, for example, versus creating a pit directly on flat ground which is incredibly time-consuming and can easily be filled with water. So you'll have to watch out. And we'll discuss more about building these later. So then kilns may be divided into two categories, fixed kilns and portable kilns. Fixed kilns can be made of brick, cement, or clay. And portable kilns can be as simple as interlocking steel cylinders, basically having the shape of a common water tank, which can be rolled from one place to another. So your most practical options for making charcoal on a small community scale, you can choose between fixed earth kilns or cylindrical portable steel kilns. Now for the preparation of wood, choice of raw material and tools. Almost any wood can be made into good domestic charcoal. The tops, branches and stems from softwoods, hardwoods and palms could all be utilized. Softwoods usually produce soft, bulky charcoals. And hardwoods, on the other hand, especially if they are heavy, give rise to charcoals which are long-lasting when burnt and are preferred for that very reason. You can also use residues from sawmill operations which often contain a high proportion of bark. You'll notice with this that the uh, resulting charcoal will appear more dusty and easily broken down, but the quality is generally high enough for domestic use. So now we got our wood and are ready for the preparation of the real deal. It's time to make this dream a reality. And remember, this step, the preparation of wood, is of great importance to the production of good charcoal. The pieces of wood, for most practical purposes, should be about four feet when using a fixed earth kiln. And for you non-American folk, this is between about one and one and a half meters. 
for a portable kiln, you could get away with about half that wood length. The diameter should generally not exceed 7.5 inches or 20 centimeters. And if it's greater than that, just go ahead and split it in half. And here is what to reject. Rotten wood and sawdust. Why? Because both of these are unsuitable and don't result anywhere near to what we're after here. It is important to reduce the moisture content of wood from that found in living trees. This moist wood should be cut and left out to dry for about six weeks minimum to ensure good yields of charcoal. The maximum time for this is about three months until it reaches the point where no more moisture is coming out. This is because the rate of moisture loss is quite proportional to time until this three month mark. After this, after this three month mark, you will be increasingly risking the loss of your charcoal yield caused by fungi or insects. But before this, just remember that plenty of sun and wind will be your best friends. Now for the construction and operation of earth kilns. So now we're ready to set up the infrastructure. So let's revisit our discussion about kilns for the moment. Let's suppose that building an earth kiln will be our most practical option. Earth kilns are also simple to construct and operate and produce good results, especially once you have experience on your side. The chief advantage of earth kilns over other methods is that almost no capital is required as the kilns are constructed entirely from locally obtained raw materials. The main disadvantages, on the other hand, are that charcoal yields are often low and the quality of charcoal is difficult to control. Although there are many different types of earth kilns in common use, here are a few basic rules which apply to all of them in order to obtain good results. So one, all wood used should be sound and at least partly seasoned. Two, the wood should be packed as tightly as possible. And three, the earth covering the wood should be sufficiently thick so as to prevent complete combustion. And to ensure that this right thickness is maintained, the kiln should be examined frequently throughout the carbonization cooling cycle. This means checking on it several times during the night too. So let's get deep here. Here is a step-by-step -step process for constructing one of the simplest types of earth kilns which have given good results across many different countries as noted by the original volunteers who put this particular step-by-step -step process together. From a few uh, Peace Corps volunteers who volunteered in Southeast Asia during the 70s and they were helping a community in developing this exact same community enterprise charcoal making process within an earth kiln. So here's what they've come up with. They saw and they experienced that two people will get this done. And with these two people, you'll also need the following tools. Two shovels, two spades, two hoes, two machetes, two axes, two rakes, sacks, a needle, and some string. So where should we build this thing? Now that's the next question. Well, choose a site as near as possible to the wood supply. Clear away all vegetation and level an area approximately 80 to 100 square feet, which would be about 40 square meters. Now, have at hand chunks of wood being about five feet long or a meter and a half long with a diameter of two inches or five centimeters. You'll go ahead and place these wood chunks across the main access 
of the cleared ground being about 20 inches or a half a meter apart. Next step to do now is commence piling wood at right angles on top of these first pieces laid down. Place all the wood you got that's been out to dry and season and try wedging in those smaller pieces in between the bigger ones to make the pile compact up until about a meter high or in other words, a little over three feet high. Now, once you got this pile to this height and you think it's nice and compact, pick out the end of the pile, which is away from the direction of the prevailing wind and then mix into the top small pieces of inflammable material such as dead twigs and partly burnt wood from previous kiln firings. This will be the point of ignition where the lighting will take place. Now, cover the pile of wood except for this ignition point. So cover the rest of the pile of the wood with vegetation such as leafy branches, herbs, moss, or grass to a depth of approximately one foot or 30 centimeters. Now, we can't forget about making a wall around this thing, so let's set some stakes about five feet or one and a half meters long and knock them in around the sides and ends of the kiln at one and a half foot or half a meter intervals. Fill the space in between with thinner branches. This will all be to prevent soil from escaping when the kiln is covered. Or another way to go about this is to build a rough wall around the kiln using large pieces of timber or even stones. Okay, let's get this fire going now. Go ahead and make a small fire near the kiln and when it becomes a nice and large and bright enough fire, take two or three shovels of burning wood and embers to the ignition point of the kiln you just built and drop them in. Feed small pieces of wood into this ignition area to ensure a fierce blaze and continue doing it until smoke can be seen emerging from various points through the soil of the kiln. If little or no smoke comes about after 10 to 15 minutes, remove some of the soil from four to five points around the kiln in order to encourage the spread of smoke. Now cover the vegetation completely with soil to a depth of about six inches or 15 centimeters. Again, leaving the ignition point free. Now prepare a load of vegetation large enough to cover the lighting point and after the fire has become well established, seal it off with the prepared vegetation and immediately heap on soil to shut off most of the draft. Now once this is all going, Feel free to leave the space, but come back every two to three hours to check to make sure that the carbonization is progressing at a slow but steady rate. If thick white smoke emerges from several places around the kiln, then the whole process is going quite well. If this white smoke becomes feeble and thins out before the carbonization is completed, then soil should be removed from one or more points from around the base of the kiln. But if you see blue smoke, then that indicates that too much air is getting into the kiln and more soil needs to be added to the covering. So you may be asking when this all ends. Well, you'll certainly know that the carbonization process is complete when you see the kiln about half of its original height. 
And at the same time, the smoke is very much reduced and thinned out. You would most likely have to wait about two days for this to happen. At this point, the kiln should then be completely sealed out by adding more soil to exclude all the air there is. Wait now for about three to five days after sealing the kiln up. Then, slowly commence to remove cautiously from one side of the kiln to reveal the precious charcoal that has been created. Voila! Now, it's time to reap the product. Now, some of the charcoal may still be hot and glowing, but it's alright. It'll start to cool down. However, if there are pieces that begin to smoke and burn, quickly cover them up with soil. And just a quick note here, water should not be used at all as it affects the quality of the charcoal, but it's still good to have at hand. It's still good to have a bucket at hand with water anyways because, well, you just never know. Now, the charcoal can be safely put into sacks if it has remained cold after three hours of being exposed to the open air. And that's all, folks, of the process, at least. Pretty cool, huh? Now, as you successfully complete this process and do it several times, you can expect to load into sacks about five to six tons of charcoal per month. Now, let that sink in for a second and just imagine the possibilities. But also, without getting too greedy and living within your ecological means and having a very good ecological footprint. Always keep that in mind. Because even with this supposedly benign activity, you could still always exploit the natural resources around you. Hence, it's important to have your community based within the four fundamental principles of eco-village design, which I discuss in previous episodes and also in future episodes. Um, just remember to always operate within the means of the biological capacity of the region you're in. Because remember, as any wise man will tell you, nature has the last laugh. And also, if you take away from nature without giving back, nature will make sure it takes something back. And also don't forget that this way is not the only way to produce your charcoal. There are a million ways to go about this and the ultimate decisions will eventually be all up to you and your situation. But I believe that the process I've just walked you through is a very good first start just to get your hands warmed and familiar with the basics and the basic process of producing charcoal. So now some quick notes for models for calculation of production costs. Now let's hone in on the business elements of this operation post-production. In order to be able to check that all parts of the operation are being carried out efficiently, it's necessary to keep good record-keeping habits. Remember, whatever you can measure, you can control. This basic record-keeping will help you immensely to control the efficiency of the operation and show you where improvements should be introduced. This could be as simple as just marking down the kiln type you use, the volumetric quantity of wood fired up, the date you began firing it all up, the date you unloaded, and then the number of sacks of charcoal you've packed away. Also a very good thing to have is a scale so you can weigh your product and keep these numbers for your note keeping. And then after all of this internal production and note keeping and all of this has been squared away and done with success, now we have the actual marketing to do 
to bring the charcoal we've created off to the market. Whatever that market may be and may vary depending on the region or local community in which you live. But regardless of where you're at, it will always be important for you as the producer to establish a good reputation of having good standards of quality and reliability. And if the whole idea of bringing this out to market daunts you in any way, an, an interesting business model alternative is to instead going at it by your lonesome, you could instead create a cooperative, a co-op with other charcoal makers and create a community of just making charcoal. This may provide the added benefit of business security and share responsibility among members. This can also do away with a number of individual operations, thereby saving time and worry. And, well, this co-op setup can also enable larger quantities to be sold than is possible by an individual operation. But if you would like to explore more heavily, more deeply into this particular matter of marketing, any kind of product that is, or forming a cooperative, or just setting up a very resilient business structure to an operation based off of any natural resources or of the land, I totally recommend you to the book, Your Successful Farming Business by Joel Salatin. And I've also done a book review episode on that particular book. So if you want the, the easy bite-sized information of that, please listen to that episode or just read the book. I guarantee you, you'll learn a lot about discovering which business model will be best for you, your community, and your situation. And so now let's say that the business is underway. You've got the structure set up. It's going strong. You are getting this to market. You're having an operation that works, makes sense to you, to your community. Now, how can we further make this thing resilient, expand out to the community and become a much more viable business, much more reliant business? Well, let's think about training other charcoal makers. If you were to have, let's say, just two-week workshops on making charcoal with the community or whoever's interested, this will also give the chance to further dive in and advance the current studies of the actual methods of work, of the workflow of making charcoal and expand upon your current methods of going about it, the current technologies you're using. So here would be a quick example of maybe an outline for a potential course you could give. So number one, you could start the course by going into an in-depth explanation of the principles of charcoal making, kind of like what I've just done here now, and tying the correlation between the drying period and the moisture content of wood and its effect upon charcoal yields. And then size of wood and influence upon yields of charcoal, the type of wood used and its effect on charcoal quality. Then you could provide explanations of the construction and operation of earth kilns, followed by practical work. Remember the Buddhist saying of three different levels of understanding. This will further dive in and increase those levels of understanding immediately from level one to level two, level three, all in one. Then you could go on and explain and further elaborate on the operation of portable steel kilns and provide practical work experience. Then also followed by demonstration of use and care of tools and practical work with hand saws, axes, machetes, wedges, spring balances and scales and so on. And also maybe even including chainsaws into the syllabus, but that will ultimately be your decision. 
And of course, an element of this course would include safety precautions and first aid and how to treat burns because they would happen. Accidents always happen. You know, in engineering school, I've always was taught Murphy's Law, you know, what what could happen badly or the worst thing that could happen can happen and will happen. So plan for it. So that includes treatment of burns. Then um, you could go on and expand on the names of important timber trees and teach elementary silviculture and the need to ensure that charcoal making contributes to good management of forests and does not hasten their destruction should be stressed without a doubt. Now, you could go on about training how to unload kilns and package the produced charcoal and obviously followed by practical work and then going into the business elements of costings, bookkeeping, and marketing and how to keep simple accounts, teach and go on expand marketing methods, controls and records and promotion. So, well, folks, that's about it for this particular bite-size lesson on charcoal making for small enterprises. And this is a first of a multiple of additional series. And if you particularly enjoy this format or got a lot of out of it, please let me know. I'll produce more and more in other categories and other elements of eco-village design and eco-village building and construction and all the elements in between. That's the goal of this podcast. That's the goal of this platform. That's the vision of this platform is to be that educational base and resource. So I hope you've enjoyed and got a lot of out of this. And please leave a review, comment. And if you have any questions, anything, please reach out and, well, see you next time. Thank you.